Beyond the Fairways. With PGA Tour professional Jay Delsing and hosted by four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Now, it's Beyond the Fairways. This is Beyond the Fairways, and we're coming to you from the Car Shield Studios, presented by Darty Business Solutions. Our guest coming up, Steve Flesh. But before we get to that, it's always great to visit with you, Jay. Danny, great to be with you. Great to be long. back. Yeah, it's been a while. We just had a lot going on, but we're back in the saddle here. We're going to get our picks going. We get to talk to Fleshy. You know, he, he just had a great tournament at the Ascension Charity Classic, and Blew up somebody's course record. I can't remember who used to have it. That might be you. Could have been me. Not pissed about that at all. <laughs> but and, uh, I got you on a technicality. Yeah. Because they did change the course. They That's redesigned true. it so you have the old course record. He's got the new one. And guess what? Nobody gets to play the old course because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so you have it, man. You, yep. you'll, you'll be uh, pushing up daisies with the old course record. Oh, yeah. That's, that's going to be a right, long time from now. That's right where I belong. That's <laughs> no, right no. where I belong, pushing up something. Yeah, so <laughs> the Ascension Charity Classic was a huge hit. I can't wait to talk to Steve and just – he won with his son on the bag, Danny. Just so, awesome. so many cool things. Closing 62. 62. What a start. But as you mentioned, I think the best part of the story is his son. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he is, but yeah. with his son on the bag, which yeah. is really cool. And, you know, there's been some other dads that have won with their sons on the bag. And now his son is not Fred Couples' son, but he did win with, you know, caddying for Fred Couples earlier. But you've got Stephen Alker, I think, has won with – um Hell, there's a bunch of Stevens. Stephen Alker, yeah. uh, Stephen Ames is one with his son on the back. Both guys are having killer years. And, and, and Fle- I'm just telling you, Fle- Steve Flesh is such a great guy. You're going to be a massive, not you, but folks, you're going to be a massive fan of his at the end of this. I always find it fascinating, and I always ask the question about guys that are lefties. He is a lefty, but was he natural as a lefty? Because of many of these players, especially your generation of players, it was hard to find clubs for a lefty. So you yeah. learned righty, and whatever you had lefty, it was a bonus. Yeah, absolutely, Denny. And the one thing that I've always thought about Steve Flesh, I want to ask him, is that he always looks like he's been around a ball. He just is athletic. You know how left-handers, even in the the game of baseball, which you know so well, does some of those left-handed swings, Danny, Will Clark, Pretty. Uh, Ken Griffey, I mean, it, they just look – Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and he swings a golf club beautifully, but I guarantee you he could shoot a little hoop. I bet he I bet he could pick it and and play some baseball too. He just looks athletic. He also was a late bloomer because he went to the University of Kentucky and then he bounced around on various tours. Kind of a late bloomer, and you see that in sports all the time. Yeah. Plus, where's the timetable? I mean, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon, man. Now, you want to get to the top, and you want to try to stay there as long as you can. But, I mean, you know, some guys pop right out of college. Like, I think we, we've got a young man that just went through the PGA Tour University Accelerated Program. And then you get a guy like Steve Flesh, who's won, what, four times on the regular tour and and uh, now several times on the Champions Tour. And he went over to uh, uh, the Far East and played quite a bit over there before getting his tour card. You mentioned it. Vanderbilt's. Gordon Sargent, first yeah. player to earn a PGA Tour card through the Tour's new University Accelerated Program. This is new, obviously, to the PGA Tour, and it's kind of cool. It is. It's very cool, D. I think it's great that we're bringing this up, too. So what the PGA Tour University has done is created um, a platform, for lack of better words, for these uh, college players, these collegiate players, and they can earn points through various finishes and, and different tournaments. And, you know, there was nothing even close to being like that when we were playing, but there were all these tournaments. And if you accumulate enough points, you can actually earn a PGA tour membership. So at the end of 2024, Sargent's going to have a PGA tour card. The interesting thing, D I want to throw at you as a, as a sportsman, this is the end of 2023. This is There's a lot of water that's got to pass under that bridge before he gets to go play on tour. A lot of bad swings, whether you, whether you think you want to have them or not. A lot right. of bad swings are coming. But I, I think when you have a track record as good as this kid, they, they're not just handing these out willy-nilly. So they oh, no, obviously yeah. done their research and understanding that if we do this, if we do this accelerated program, 
will we have guys that fall off? Maybe, but it, it's also something that's, uh, I don't know, it's enticing, I guess, for the kids and to keep going as hard as they do. I don't know if you need to entice them. If you're at Vanderbilt, you're one of the top programs in the country that's yeah. trying to, you know, these kids, one through eight, are trying to get on uh, the PGA Tour. But I, I think, generally speaking, it's just a good thing for the tour. I, I really do. Oh, yeah. I think it's a great, an, an additional way to get your PGA Tour card instead of going through the other system, through the Corn Ferry and, and what one. have you. Absolutely. And... Look, now, that's easy for me to say when the guy at the very end doesn't get one. Yeah, when somebody's going to get not, uh, knocked out. But I, I do like it, and I do like the uh, the PGA Tour University. And our, our buddy Justin Barger, who's been on the show, is now working for the PGA Tour down in Jacksonville, PGA Tour University. And what a great young man Justin is, and, and a great guy to kind of liaison between college and the PGA Tour. And Danny, it's a massive step you know so it'll be interesting how about taylor gooch he wins liv's or lives whatever you want to call it season long title race won three times however you know jay he is currently exempt from zero majors think about that i know so you win the 18 million bucks by winning the championship but no majors and as a guy that loves golf you grew up as a kid wanting to be on a a pga championship u.s open british masters whatever you know it. and he can't do that no and cannot you know, do that i gotta tell you d the other day i said hell with it i'm gonna go look look for this on the cw and i watched it and it was really i just don't i, look, I found it hard to follow i didn't know what what the hell was going on because of the shotgun format? Yep. You know, the guys are wearing shorts. It's extremely relaxed. They're playing over in Riyadh, I think, over in Saudi Arabia, and there wasn't a spectator around. And um, again, playing for 25 million bucks. I mean, you and I'd play in the dark, you yeah, know, and say, I would. Where do I, yeah, where, where, where do where, I sign where, up? Where do we sign? Where'd my ball go? We're like, we don't care. We're all going to make money. Um, it was just, I don't know. There's just so much that needs to be to be added to that tour. You know, we got to bring up the fact, and Taylor Gooch not being in, in the majors, it's wrong. Okay, yep. it's wrong. But look, in, in defense of everybody, and Gooch should even be leery of this, this is such a curveball, Danny, that's been thrown at everyone. Give everybody a half a minute to take a breath and figure this out. Yeah. Because world I, golf rankings, no yeah, majors, no, yeah. all this stuff. Now they, they got turned down on the world golf rankings, Danny, and I think it's really important because the entire nature of live and the way that they threw this together and what they're doing, there's no clear path for some young maybe it's a young Saudi Arabian kid that saw Brooks Kepka win this event and say, Dad, I want to play golf. I want to play in the live tour. How do I do that? Well, there is one thing. <laughs> we don't know, son. There is the, I agree with you. There is one thing that I took away, and I did. I watched on the CW. I've watched a bunch of the events on the CW. You're a junkie. I am. You I love are, it. I, everywhere, every time I come over to your house, Golf Channel is on you bet it multiple is. TVs. Although Golf Channel is not talking about live. Unless it's the negative side of it. Yep. They, they really don't talk about it. Or if Phil Mickelson makes some statements, which is nonstop. Or Brooks <laughs> Kepka is on the Ryder Cup team. Yeah. You might hear about it, but yeah. you just don't hear much about it. The one thing, though, I did like about what they did, and I could follow this, was the team format. I and agree. I, and I think that's something that the PGA Tour needs to look at. I agree. Look, Danny, it's like anything. Not everything is terrible about it. I mean, the, the fact that it has separated the golf world sucks. And that you and I have got to go to multiple locations to find the best players and they're not all hanging out at the... Exactly. That sucks. I don't okay? like it. I don't like it either. But you're right. I think the team... I You know, Tiger and Rory have come out with this simulated golf league. And it's going to be interesting because there's going to be team concepts and and that will be interesting as well. But I think there is something for uh, to be had here um, for the team concept, and I think you could really draw some really fun interest from the spectators in different cities and go, yeah, man, this is our team this year. We've got you know Ricky and JT and we, blah blah blah. I think there's I think there's something to it. I agree with you, and and I'm interested to see how. Sp- People much smarter than myself 
you know, dive into this and see see what to make of it. Let's get to it. Steve Flesh is coming up, the winner of the Ascension Charity Classic on PGA Tour Champions. We're coming to you from the Car Shield Studios, and we're brought to you by Darty Business Solutions. Darty Business Solutions has been enhancing the business of our customers for the last 37 years. How do we do it? Through our expertise in technology, better use of data and analytics, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. We roll up our sleeves and collaborate. We build applications and effectively communicate with our partner clients to bring their goals and objectives to the finish line. Our award-winning Access Point program is a community game changer. With nearly 100 students in the program, mostly young African-American females are making between $55,000 and $60,000 per year right out of high school. That's right, fifty-five dollars to $60,000 a year right after high school graduation. That's when they begin their training. CEO Ron Darty believes the talent is equally distributed, but access to that opportunity is not. So here's Access Point, providing more and more opportunity for those in and around our community. It's Darty Business Solutions. It's time for the Beyond the Fairways Player Profile. Let's get back to Jay and Dan. Coming to you from the Car Shield Studios, and we're presented by Darty Business Solutions, along with Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and what a privilege it is to visit with the champion of the Ascension Charity Classic a few weeks ago, and that is Steve Flesh. Steve, congratulations, and thanks for being a part of the show. I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you guys for asking me. Steve, it was so great to see you. I, I don't even know where to start, man. I mean, you had your son Griffin on the bag. You, you shot... Uh, 61 the last day and let's just uh talk a little bit about the week for you what it was like you know i didn't i didn't get in town till wednesday i said i decided to stay home an extra uh couple days uh mainly because i was i'm familiar with norwood hills from playing it the past couple years and this time of year we've played so many events like like three and four in a row that i just was like trying to sneak a couple extra days at home but it also helps me just kind of be more refreshed when you know when tournament time comes that i'm a little better rested but i got in town wednesday and uh on the flight over um i was just thinking about my golf swing and kind of what's been going on for the with the year i've i've had a decent year but it's just been a little erratic ball striking wasn't great and uh, i just kind of was thinking and as you know from playing i was basically taking my ball flight and working backwards. Sorry, that's my horse Weimar. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like he could take, carry you off over there. That's great. He uh, he doesn't like the neighbor's dog, so he he always warns it when it comes outside. But uh, um, I was thinking backwards, you know, like the ball flight laws. What what causes the ball to shape a certain way? And I've kind of had the same kind of a cutty wipey miss going and i just was thinking back like what's producing that and ultimately i decided i'm not getting behind the ball enough so um i just was focusing on my shoulder turn uh when i got there wednesday hit some balls on the range you know hit about two or three bags of balls and and my path was better and the contact was better so i had something to build on for the week and and ultimately that was the difference maker. I had a, I had one of my best weeks in a couple of years striking it and you know, and the putter showed up and that was really the difference all week. I mean, to shoot 19 under for three days, you got to make some putts and, and the putter was certainly hot, especially on Sunday. Steve is uh, Jay alluded to your son was on the bag. How emotional was that to have your son there on that 18th green and you finish it up and a big hug for your son, man, Dan, it was, um, it was, special for a number of reasons but one i the main one is we hadn't won together in 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 any capacity when he's been caddying for me he's caddied for me dozens of times in you know professional events whether it was you know corn fairy tour you know a few years back when i was just turning 50 trying to get ready to to play the champions tour he's caddied for me a number of times on the champions tour because my caddy has had some back issues and had some surgery. So he was out and, and Griffin was helping out. But, but you know, the other thing is it's kind of the year of the Stevens winning on our tour, Stricker, Auker, Ames, 
and myself and and as we all know stricker's one with every family member on the bag his wife two daughters i mean you know his brother-in-law Mario Tiziani. I mean, he's keeping the money in the family. I got to give him credit for that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Stephen Ames and Stephen Alker both won this year with their sons on the bag. So I kind of had double the pressure. I needed to get the win for the Stevens and, the, and their sons. But at the same time, I never won with Griffin. So the fact that we pulled it off last week or, uh, excuse me, a couple weeks ago in St. Louis was phenomenal. It was just, I'll tell you what, though, I was adding pressure to myself. When I got off to that fast start on Sunday, I was like, oh, wow, I got no excuses now. <laughs> I was so, going to ask you that, too. How do you deal with having that lead on, let's say, a back nine on that final day? And it's exactly where you're going, but, you know, you, you're in control of the tournament. How do you deal with uh, the pressure of that? I guess it's a different type of pressure for you. It's good type of pressure for sure, but it's, and Jay knows this from playing competitively. When you get off to a start like that, I mean, you start having all kinds of things run through your head. You know, I'm thinking about, oh, wow, maybe this is the week that Griff and I do it. You know, I, I basically just figured if I could, if I could make two birdies on the back nine, having, I think, a three or a four shot lead at the time, that I would probably, it would probably be enough. But, you know, the other thing is my good buddy, Kevin Sutherland, who, I guess I he ended up birdie in 17 and 18 to finish three behind me. I mean, I know Kevin just from playing. He can go crazy. He he needed a part. I think the final hole at the Dick Sporting Goods tournament a few years ago to shoot 58. He made he three putted to shoot 59. And I'm you know, Kevin's one of these kind of guys who can get it going too. So I need I knew I couldn't just relax and and coast in. I knew I needed to make at least a couple birdies on the back nine to give myself some breathing room. So. It all worked out great, but at the same time, I, I think whenever you're trying to win a golf tournament, there's always an, an uneasy feeling because the whole complexion of the tournament can change with one bad swing or one bad hole. Well, Fleshy, we've also done this to ourselves so many times where we've had you know, things so closely to our grasp and then watched it kind of flitter away with, a, with like you said, either a, you know, a poor commitment or a bad swing or, or a little combination of both. All those thoughts run through your head. Then I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll confess. I mean, you know, like on 12 or 13, I'm starting to think like, you know, what might I say if, you know, if we do win this about Griff after the tournament? So I'm like, I'm like, dude, get off of that. Get back to what you're doing. You know, I mean, it's, you know, you got a lot of time between shots out there. And I'll admit, I started daydreaming about the aftermath if I do win. And I'm like, golly, man, you know how this works. Yeah. Keep your mind on your business and, you know, think about this maybe in an hour and a half when you're walking up 18. So uh, I'm glad it worked out, but man, I played good. And, uh, you know, Griff and I more than anything had a great walk the whole week. Fleshy, talk, talk to us a little bit about the back nine there at Norwood. We've worked really hard to get the community involved and St. Louis has responded. But as a player to see that much hospitality, especially on the Champions Tour, it's pretty cool. You know, it is. It's, it, it's, I think this is maybe the third or fourth year that we played there at Norwood. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm horrible with, with dates and my memory wanes at times. But every year we've been there in St. Louis, the, the community support's been fantastic. You know, it's that whole area of, I think, 9, 10, uh, I think it's 13 coming back up the hill. There's always a ton of people there. And then, you know, 18's always got a lot of people around, um, you know, just supporting. And actually, it, St. Louis reminds me a lot of Cincinnati, basically where I'm from, northern Kentucky. I live 10 minutes from downtown Cincy. And it's they're great sports towns. And, you know, with whether it's the Reds, the Cardinals, you know, the Bengals, the St. Louis Blues hockey. I mean, it's passionate fans. And you could tell that. Uh, the people of St. Louis appreciated, you know, having having a Champions Tour event there. It's great for the community, does a lot for charity, and and certainly the fans of St. Louis showed out for the week, and and they have every year. So it was a, it was it's a fun time. It's it's a great event, and Norwood Hills is a great host. So we, you know, as players, you know, we all appreciate being welcomed in such a great capacity. Steve Flesh is our guest. He's the champion of this year's Ascension Charity Classic. He's also a lefty. I'm curious, growing up, did you try right-handed? It seems like you always hear about right-handed golfers, but they're natural lefties, so then they go back to being a lefty. So I'll just ask you, how did it all come about for you? 
I'm I'm a weirdo. I'll be admit with <laughs> I'll, I'll admit with with how it came about for me. So my dad was a righty. I just started playing righty because he was a righty, you know. And and I shot a basketball right-handed because he did. I played tennis right-handed basically because that's what he did. And then I realized I bat left-handed in baseball, and uh, which was my first passion. I mean, I if I could have played baseball for a living, I would have. Yes, golf turned out great, but baseball was always my passion. But I, I pitched left-handed in baseball, and I batted lefty. I was forced to choose when I played in high school whether to play golf or baseball because they're both spring sports. I chose golf naturally because – I was probably a little bit better at it, but I, I didn't have a choice. I had to, I had to choose one, but I did start playing golf right-handed because of my dad too. And then we were playing with my uncle who was a lefty. Um, I was probably 12, I guess, maybe nine or uh, 11 or 12. And I just said, Hey, you know, my uncle Ken, I said, do you mind if I hit one, you hit one of your, you know, your clubs. And it was just so much easier. And I'm thinking, <laughs> all right, dad, I'm a lefty now, but uh, you know, Back that would have been, you know, back in in like nineteen the late nineteen seventies, left handed equipment wasn't readily available. I mean, and it wasn't good either. It was always like the the bottom, you know, kind of line of every company's stuff because it was like, yeah, lefties, we'll just give them something. We're not going to worry about the technology in it. But my grandfather was a rep for McGregor Sporting Goods, and he said, yeah, we got some Jack Nicholas Golden Bear, you know irons and and woods and he got me a set of those and that was it man i was a lefty full time but you know it was a challenge and and I, you know it's it's funny i i say i'm a little weird because i don't do anything one particular way i think i'm very ambidextrous but i eat and write right-handed but i throw left-handed you know and i kick left-footed shoot pull right-handed i'm all messed up <laughs> but it's, it's basically I kind of did it because that's I emulated how people did things growing up. And if they shot a basketball right-handed, I just figured I'd shoot a basketball right-handed, even if it didn't necessarily feel right. And I became pretty proficient with both hands. And I think, you know, as we all know, you got to have some good hand-eye coordination to play sports. But, you know, I was blessed with good hand-eye coordination and, and being able to put the bat on the ball, the club on the ball. And uh, I was a good shooter in basketball, so – I'm not claiming I was a great athlete, but, you know, for a little kid, I was pretty good. But, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun growing up, but I ultimately decided left-handed's the way I'm going to go. Fleshy, we've had some really cool guests on the show that, that talked about the way they grew up. And a lot of them, uh, especially Jack Nicholas, was talking about how as soon as the weather changed as a kid, he put the golf clubs away and got the basketball out, got the football out. It sounds like that was a little bit about you know, how you grew up as well. You probably grew up the same way. Fall is football or, you know, basketball, winter's basketball. Then it came golf and tennis in the summer or what have you. I, I It saddens me because I see kids nowadays that you have to basically declare your sport when you're in like early grade school. You know, like if you don't, if you don't say, Hey, I'm going to be full-time soccer, you get shunned because you don't get like put on select teams. You don't consider to play, you know, play certain teams year-round baseball I'm like year-round baseball it doesn't I don't even know how you do that in Kentucky because you have you have four months where you can't even go outside to you know to do anything but that's kind of the way the world is now and I, I think um, you know I had a niece who was a great uh, a volleyball player well she blew her shoulder out when she was 16 you know because that's all she did and I just find kids growing up need to be well-rounded. They need to use all parts of their body to develop and strengthen. And when you're just declaring like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be a baseball player when I'm 12 years old. I just think you miss out on the experience of being on, you know, other teams, playing other sports, you know, enjoying different things. And it's so competitive now. It just, it, it saddens me because I think kids miss out on enjoying all sports and just, you know, I think they get burnt out on one sport, but I was lucky growing up. My dad, you know, he exposed me to all of it. Uh, my family encouraged me to play it, play all of it. And I was decent at all of it. I wasn't a superstar uh, by any means, but um, I enjoyed it. And like Jack Nicholas, man, I put the clubs away in the winter because there was, you know, I didn't even think about it till we had spring tryouts for the golf team. I, I wish more 
more kids were able to do that now and it wasn't forced upon them kind of in our culture how this guy's going to be the next Michael Jordan, the next Tiger Woods, the next Tom Brady. I mean, you got to, you know, we all know those, you know, you're declaring a kid the next this is an awful, an awful lot of pressure and it very rarely turns out, but that's kind of the way of the world. It's so well put. Steve Flesh is our guest, the winner of this year's Ascension Charity Classic. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're kind of a late bloomer, went to the University of Kentucky. You played in a handful of professional events when you got out of there. Then you kind of bounced around on some different tours. So, number one, were you a late bloomer? And two, how did you get over the hump to become the player that you are today? Man, that's a good question, Dan. I uh, When I got out of Kentucky, I only won a couple tournaments in college. I was pretty good, but, you know, I, I kind of fought the driver a little bit. I, you know, I was a little erratic with it. Um, great chipper and putter because I had to be, cause I wasn't that long of a, <laughs> a hitter, you know? Um, but I got a marketing degree and I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to go to work just yet. Um, so I, I, I basically, I think I graduated in December of 91 and in Jan, like the second week of January and Jay knows about this. I decided to pay to play the Asian tour. And at that time you just, I'm not going to go through the whole history here, but I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to work just yet. I'm going to pay. I think it was like $12,000 to play this Asian tour. And it basically was like signing up for a cruise. You know, you, <laughs> you, all your, all your, all your hotels were paid for your flights were paid for your entry fees and 12 or 11 or 12 national opens over on the Asian tour. Uh, were paid for and you just had to cover food and caddies and and at that time if you just had the money you were in you know there was there was some Monday qualifying but it wasn't like there was a Q school for it at that time or not and you basically got all these tournaments and that's I did that for for five years because every time I came home in the fall to go to Q school I screwed it up you know I couldn't get through second stage and it took me seven years to get through Q school and then finally in 97 I got through Q school and played the, uh, you know, the, the Nike tour and, and somehow finished fourth on that money list and got my tour card and kept my card for basically, you know, 15 years and, and very lucky, very fortunate, but I wasn't ready to go to work. So I had to give golf a shot and, and I was persistent. I thought about quitting playing every November because I, you know, I, whenever you fail in golf, you all, you know, I'm, I'm a realist. I'm not a doom and gloomer all the time, but I'm certainly not lollipops and gumdrops. But, uh, you know, I just was like, you know what? I still think I'm good enough. And, uh, I kept at it and that's, you know, it, it took me seven years to get out there to play. And I would say I'm definitely a late bloomer, but I'm glad I stuck with it. I'm more of the rainbows and butterflies and unicorns over here, Fleshy, <laughs> so I got you covered on that. But but I want to talk and ask you a little bit about the Champions Tour Q School because that's Mission Impossible. I don't know how you get through that thing. You know, and that's a product, too, of only being 78 guys each week on, on playing. There's no, you know, it's not a it's not a big field, so spots are limited for sure, but it's a tough deal. I think it's a couple, it's a couple stages. Only five get their cards. And you know, when only five guys get your cards, it's, and it's four rounds, there's not much margin for error. It's like, it's like playing these three round events each week. I mean, it's a sprint, you know, it's not like that. It There's such a big difference between three round tournaments and four round tournaments in terms of what you can and can't do to have a chance of winning. And the Q school is kind of that same way. It's, I mean, as you, you know, it's, it's any Q school you go to, you got to eliminate your, your mistakes and, and you got to have a great week because there's so many good players there and, and access to the champions tour is definitely difficult. And, and, um, I just don't see it getting any easier. I mean, in my five years or six years, almost of playing on this tour, it's changed so much. Like my first couple years out, I thought this was the greatest tour in the world because it was so chill, so relaxed. You got finished. There were actually guys sharing beers, you know, in like family dining, you know, after the tournaments. And now these, I'll tell you, it's these damn guys like Mike Weir, Jim Furyk, Darren Clark. I say damn because they, 
these guys are grinders and they work hard. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm joking, but you know, all of a sudden guys started practicing after the rounds now. And, and people are looking at him like, what are you doing, man? You're making this too serious. And it's, 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 it, I mean, you see, it's so competitive now. VJ Singh, I mean, he still hits more balls than every, anybody, but it's just like the vibe has kind of gotten way, gotten way more serious than it was six years ago. And, I'm not saying it's bad, but man, is it way more competitive now? I mean, it's the culture has has become more PGA tour like versus easy going fun. It's not a retirement tour anymore. I mean, yes, there's good money there still, but it's it's just more serious now than it was six years ago. And not not saying it's bad, but I don't think that was the intent of the tour way back when. You know, they they started the tour with Nicholas Palmer, player, you know, Trevino to keep them in the game of golf. I mean, I think we're still ambassadors for the game uh, and for the PGA Tour. But at the same time, I'm like, man, it's gotten serious out there and a lot harder to win. Steve Flesh, our guest and the winner of the Ascension Charity Classic. And the name that you didn't mention was Bernard Longer. Are guys just amazed at what he's doing week in and week out? I I don't get it. I mean, I, I <laughs> it's he's like a cyborg. I call it. you know. I mean, he's got that that German mentality where he's very structured, very disciplined. He's got you know like the Terminator type voice, all that stuff. But to do do what he's doing, it is he sixty five or yeah, sixty five? I've I've lost track. But um, I mean, he's an anomaly everybody's like oh i hope i play till 65 i'm like you guys have no clue what it takes to to stay in as good a shape as he is the discipline i mean he's overcome the yips you know a handful of times and he's still a fantastic player but his ball striking i think is is so underrated i mean he just he doesn't make mistakes to where he can't get the ball up and down he's always missing in the right spots when he misses and and I think that's just a credit to, you know, his game just hasn't deteriorated at the level that most most guys' games do when they get in their 50s and 60s. He's just – that's a mental discipline too. But what he's done out there is remarkable. I, it, you know, Hale Irwin's the same way. I mean, he just kept playing the same game over and over again, and I think he's, his mental strength is what kept him competitive for so long. And you know, I don't have that mental strength. I, I fly <laughs> off the handle too easily, but you know, those guys, it's, I don't know if you can teach that. I think so much of that is in them. I mean, you can, you can go through the steps to try and learn to become a great player, but you know, not everybody has the mental fortitude to just stick with it and not get ahead of themselves and get ticked off at times and, and be patient. And those guys are just blessed with, you know, and Tiger Woods same way. I mean, mentally they're just stronger. Jack Nicholas. It's it's if you could bottle it up and sell it, I think you'd become a millionaire so quickly. But those guys, they just they're a different breed, you know. And it's it's neat to watch. It's fun to compete against. But um, you know, you just kind of have to marvel at the success of Bernard Langer out there. It's it's crazy. Fleshy, you know, I don't play anymore, and I got to play this year, which was a real thrill. And I get paired the first day with Rob LeBritz, great guy, and Richard Green, another great guy. But I don't know either one of these two guys, right? So I, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting third off the first hole. Well, LeBritz hits it 50 yards from the green, right down the middle with that ugly green ball, yellow green ball that he's using, <laughs> you know, and and – and then Richard stands up there and just kind of hits this thing that looks like it's going to go out there about 245 that flies the left bunker, you know, and it's about 75 yards out. And I just wanted to head back to the car. Where I'm going with this is the difference, and again, I don't play, but I'm 62, they're 50 and 51, and I was like, I feel like I'm 120 compared to these guys. Yeah, it's, uh, it's strange, too, because – equipment has changed so much of everything. I mean, I still hit it as far now as I did when I was on tour, mainly because of the driver and the ball. I don't think my club head speed has gone down a whole lot, but I think whatever I've lost, I've gotten that much help back from, you know, the low spinning ball and the low spinning driver. And if you can, I played with Kenny Perry on Saturday in St. Louis 
he gets up on the first hole and drives it like down there where he can kick it on the green. And I'm like, dude, you're like 65. Well, no, I'm just like, he outdrove me by, by 40 yards on number one. And I'm like, I'm not that short really <laughs> still. And, he, you know, and I'm like, he hasn't really played for two years for, you know, um, other reasons, but he's just like, he hasn't lost a step of distance at all. And it's amazing to me. And, and I get the, the argument about the ball and how far it's going when, when guys on our level are still hitting it that far, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, but, um, it's a, it's a good way to stay competitive because it's just, you know, technology's out there to help you. I don't know where it ends. I don't, I'm not even going to get in and debate on the ball and all that, but it's, uh, it's a wild deal anymore how far guys are still hitting it at 50 years old and and more. It's, I mean, as you know, think how far we're still hitting it. What are those gorillas on tour doing? Yeah, well, that's I mean, where it's really, insane. It, it's, it's a joke. I mean, I, I just, I was watching some golf with a buddy and we're watching the 18th hole at, at Southwind in Memphis, where we played a ton of times, you and I, Jay, and, and they're hitting it over the trees on the left down there, 50 yards from the green. And I'm like, that is nuts. And they're not even thinking twice about where they're aiming that ball. And it's, it's just a different game. I can't say I like it more because I loved when the ball spun and curved and, you know, if you had to manage your way around the golf course, now there's kind of no thought because, you know, I don't even consider a three wood off the tee anymore unless I'm just running out of distance because I don't hit a three wood straighter than my driver. You know, it's, it's, you might as well get it as close to the green as possible. And I just, I thought the old game of golf, and I'm not going to go down back in the day. Kind of, <laughs> when we walked to school in the snow and all that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Both uphill both ways. Yeah. I just think it was, I just think the game had more nuance to it years ago, where now it's just kind of like, it's like a boxing match. You just keep throwing punches and the last guy standing, you know, you still got to putt good, but. I just don't think there's a whole lot of nuance to the game where balls get in trouble as quickly. The wind doesn't affect it now. And yeah, it's not that the game's worse. I just don't think that there's as much creativity now playing. Now, having said that Tiger Woods still played like we did in the old days. He, you know, he curved the ball. He used the spinniest ball out there. He hit different shots different trajectories and i just don't see the guys doing that nowadays as much as we had to in the past and i think that's the allure of the game and the beauty of the game that's kind of been lost with the equipment well steve this has been a great visit with you and congratulations on winning the ascension charity classic and looking forward to seeing you back in st louis next year well dan i can't wait and uh i love st louis i can't wait to come back and i appreciate uh everything that Ascension does and you guys do for the tournament. And uh, I'm honored to be the champion this year. So definitely Griffin and I are enjoying, are enjoying the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The celebration still of having won. <laughs> That's great. Good luck the rest of the year, buddy. We're pulling for you here. Thank you, Jay and Dan. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. That's Steve Flesh, the champion of the 2023 Ascension Charity Classic. And we're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Are you driving an out-of-warranty car? It's only a matter of time before your out-of-warranty vehicle is in the shop costing you thousands of dollars. Auto repair costs are up nearly 20% from last year, which is four times the rate of inflation. If an unexpected breakdown happened today, would you be ready for that? Well, now you can be with a plan through CarShield. Even if your car is just over three years old, it's still prone to expensive costs. Your car is more than just getting you from point A to point B. Traveling by car is a way of life. From picking up your kids to going to a new restaurant, cars are a daily essential. When you enroll in a car protection plan through CarShield, you can look forward to the following. The price will never go up no matter how many claims you file or no matter how high the mileage on your car increases. CarShield offers protection plans that start as low as $100 per month. That's $100 per month. They have repair coverage for up to 5,000 different parts of your vehicle. Plus, when your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road, you get 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance. You also get complimentary towing and rental car options. CarShield has my back when my car breaks down, and they can have yours too. 
Call CarShield today at 800-465-6550 or visit carshield.com. It's CarShield, proud sponsor of the Golf with Jay Delsing Show. It's the breakdown. There it is. A win for the ages. That is better than most. Better than most. Maybe. Yes, sir. Here it is. The return to glory on Beyond the Fairways. Coming to you from the Car Shield Studios. And we're brought to you by Darty Business Solutions. That was a fun visit with Steve Flesh, and we covered a lot with him. Oh, we really did, Danny. I how about that start? Yeah. You start off on Sunday, you know, you're not you're 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 in the thick of it. You start off your six birdies, I think, in the in, first nine. And an eagle or yeah, and he was what what it was crazy. He was yeah. six under after seven holes. Yeah. And then he birdied number eight. Here's what I love though. He he actually said, he goes, I don't know if I should admit this, and you've done this too. You know, I'm on 13 or 14. I got a three-stroke lead. Just don't cough it up. And what's it going to be like when I'm on 18 and if I'm winning and I get that trophy and all the things that come along with it? He said, you can't let it creep in your mind, but it did. And that's human nature. I thought that was great that he let us in and, and, and admitted that because that happens to all of us. And then you pull yourself back and go, come on. He's got to stay here. You know, he talked about making a couple birdies, staying it. You know, and it's just, for me, it's always just one shot at a time, man. Don't look ahead. Don't go, what if I birdie, you know. Uh, ugh. You know, I'm uh, I'm guilty of that, Jay. When you and I are playing and I get a stroke and I hit a, a pretty good shot, pipe, pipe it down the middle, and I'm thinking, all right, 120, just get it on the green, two putt, and I'm getting in Jay's pocket. Yeah. I can't let myself get ahead, man. <laughs> you can't. you got to stay. So and, give me some advice get, when I do that. you got to just stay focused on that wedge <laughs> shot and not try to put it on the green. Try to stuff it in the hole, man. Try to stuff it in the stuff, hole. Stuff it in the hole. Well, the other thing, too, that was cool was his well-traveled resume to yeah. get to this point. You know, yeah. PGA Tour, obviously, then PGA Tour champions, but, man, all the places he had been before then, which we talked about in our open. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and again, everybody's path is different. I think that's the beauty of it all. I loved him just getting to share that moment. I just can't even, you know, you've got two sons. What would it be like for oh, you to be awesome. stand on that green with knowing you guys accomplished this together and you could look at him and go, man, you can't ever take it away. No. And you had the, the chance to caddy for my son. And you said that was one of the best experiences you've had this summer. I'm, oh, there's no doubt. Well, I don't have I don't have sons. I've got four daughters, and none of my girls play golf. You know, they're athletes and did other things. But getting to caddy for your son, Luke, who, first of all, is such a quality young man. Any any dad would be so proud of him, regardless of his Most golf of the game. Time. But I got, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we're not talking about those other. But, but man, I, I can remember. I think we were on, yeah, we were on the 10th hole. He's playing really well, just not quite clicking, but he's playing well, and he misses a really short putt um, to go two over par for the day, and we're, we're qualifying for the U.S. Amateur. Now, this is not, this is United States Amateur. It's this a big is deal. A, not the club championship, kids. Yeah. We're playing, we're going to, to be the amateur national champion, and, and your son's, so... I looked at him and I said, it's all in the past. We got eight holes today. One shot at a time. He didn't even hit a good tee shot off the next part five and stuck it under the lip of a fairway bunker, hit an unbelievable, unbelievable shot out, stuffed the next iron shot, went birdie, went birdie on the next hole, went birdie on the par three, hit one of the best 65-yard fairway bunker shots I've ever seen in my – that's a hard distance a hard to shot. hit. And he almost makes birdie, then he birdies the next hole. And, I mean, he just was just balling. It was just great to see him. And I think he wound up only missing by two, but he, he was right there. Well, it's something to bring up to all our listeners. You talk about it all the time. You visited with Chris Carpenter, who is a St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame pitcher – was a great pitcher, won the Cy Young Award in 2005. He always says it, get rid of the junk. Just get rid of it in your head. Danny, it's everything. We're talking to your daughter, Avery, about this. She's a top player as well. You, your target, your commitment, and nothing else. Play to play great and trust yourself and free it up. All that what ifs, that indecision and that fear. You know what? I, I And I tell, and, and it's, it's the, what I learned. 
you're still going to hit bad shots. Absolutely. But your bad shots are not going to be as bad. They won't be as often. And you're building a platform of trust and the processes of having your head there all the time. Crucial. It's absolutely crucial. And the the younger you can learn that, like Tiger Woods did, the more you're gonna you're, you're gonna play at a high level. You know, we made a lot of people money this summer. Oh, t- our picks were red hot all summer long. We're getting back on the saddle. We're gonna do it because it's back. We have got our picks of the week: the Zozo Championship, Chiba Japan. Seventeen players from the top fifty in the world are playing in this. So, looking forward to it. Absolutely, and I mean, you recall the Tiger Woods won this championship, I believe, back in two thousand nineteen, maybe the inaugural year, Danny. And- I, it was the inaugural year, and I'm not sure it was nineteen or twenty. But regardless, he won the first one. And it was his 82nd championship. So, you know, he's um, – I thought it was interesting, just a little sidebar, that Tiger announced the field for the Hero World Challenge with one spot remaining. And who's not in the field? Himself. Tiger Woods. So, you know, that that says a lot about the state of his body right there, bro. We, we've been wondering and wondering. We kind of hinge on whatever Tiger information comes out, you know. And He's also been putting out on social media him just chipping and yep. hitting some balls yep. and doing various things, which is what he did the last time that he came yep. back after a yep. serious injury. So we'll see if that's a uh, maybe a sign of things to come. Danny, he's always so calculated, isn't he? He yeah. always – he's got – you know, there's, there's a plan out there. So I believe he's going to play – uh, if he can. And I just, I saw some of those wedges. I didn't love his footwork. I, 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 I love the fact that he's playing again. You know, you and I have talked before, is the guy going to come back and play in the champions tour? And it's, it's almost, it's just a little over two years. That would blow up. It certainly the would. PGA tour champions. It'll blow you and I up. We'd be out there hanging in trees, looking, watching this cat play. Over Could there. you imagine being paired with him? How cool that would be for you at Norwood? That would be the, Best. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be that would be awesome. Be awesome. He'd is be right. the only guy in the field, Danny, that I could beat in a race. <laughs> and I don't even know if I could. I don't even know if I could. I mean, the poor guy's got steel up and down his leg. And I can't move, man. Oh. Well, it's the way it goes. That's yeah. Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. We're coming to you from the Car Shield Studios. Our picks of the week are next, and we're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Where do we find the best golfers in the world this week? It's time for the picks segment on Beyond the Fairways. Zozo Championship, Chiba, Japan. We're brought to you by Darty Business Solutions, coming to you from the Car Shield Studios. Okay, Jaybird, what do you know about this course? What do you know about this tournament? I know one thing. My pick is Xander Shoffley. So that's I all you need to know. I don't know a ton about it, Danny. Well, then why are you going but with Shoffley? Shoffley has... Um, He's got some uh, Japanese heritage in him. He's won the gold medal in the Olympics in Japan. I just, I don't know, man. I, I got like a feel. That. I got a feel for him, and and uh, and um, he's a baller. You know, I, I he's he's a kind of that quiet assassin. I I, um, I like when he and Patrick Cantlay kind of get together. They they can they can knock off some birdies and. I, l- I like watching him. Makes it fun. I'm yeah. going to go with Tagala. He won the Fortinet uh, Championship last month. Maybe a little momentum coming into this tournament, so I'll go with him. But I like your pick. The more I hear about your pick, the more I want your pick. Oh, I don't know, Danny. Tagala. You love this guy. I love, oh, I love this guy. How much money did he make for us this past year? A lot. Yep. You we, picked him more than I did. We creeped up. He creeped up. People were like, I think we had our buddy Joe say, I had never heard of uh, Sahid Tagala, and now he, he finished, I think, third in his... Joe in, likes in, to put a shekel or two on an event. A shekel or two might be on uh, on the table, <laughs> and Tagala uh, made him some money as well. So, yeah, I, first of all, I love the fact that he's of Indian descent. Clearly, his, when, when, you, when you hear his parents talk, they're... they're they are strong Indian. I think just think it's great for the game, it man. Is. He's a darker complected kid, but, which doesn't matter to me. But we need all everybody out there playing. And Danny, what I also love about him, his personality fits his swing. He doesn't swing like everybody else. He's aggressive. He's strong. He's athletic, and he just gets out there and hammers it. 
Dark horse for me. I've gone with this guy way too much. I love this guy, though. I know I who you're too. going with. I didn't like him in the Ryder Cup, no. but I didn't like what he did. No. However, and I didn't like the fact that I maybe didn't put a shekel or two on him in Detroit, but I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler. Yeah. I'm going to go with Ricky. I, I picked him a bunch this summer. He hasn't come through, so it's the luck of the draw. It's timing for everything, and I'm going with Ricky Fowler. He's 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 got to be the bounce back player of the year, right? I Absolutely. mean, he's, he's back in the top fifty. He's won a championship again. It's great. To, he's great for the game. This, I agree. This is a super high quality human being. Man. I love how he interacts with the kids, but fans in general, how he interacts with them, I, yep. I think it's great. He's signing things. He'll go on yep. uh, social media. Somebody will hold up a camera and say, "Hey, say hi to my buddy." He'll do that. By the way, I Absolutely. need to throw I need to throw this one out at you. So a friend of mine took a visit, was over in Europe on vacation, and I can't remember where they were playing. It, it was right around the Open Championship, and they said, hey, I have a big golfer, big fan of yours in, uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. Well, he had a message for him on camera, and it was John Rahm for my daughter. No way. I didn't tell you that? No. John Rahm sent a great message to my daughter. How cool is that? And I gotta so tell you, so he jumped up on my list. Oh yeah, way up on my yeah. list too. But he's, he, I love John Rom. I, I love too. the way he plays the game. He plays with such heart, yes. such passion, and he just leaves it out uh, all on the table. He said this past week, he said I would pay to play in the Ryder Cup, where some of these guys are bitching about the fact that That's they don't crazy. get paid. He said, I would pay to yep. play in the Ryder Cup. That's how much it means to me. Absolutely, and and I mean, come on. Yeah, and I mean, who wouldn't and, want to play in that? And Danny, that attitude looks like it permeates through the entire European team. I Agreed. mean, that that just and and uh, ugh, that's like such a, a a wound that won't heal. But I, I our our showing was getting out of the bus and coming out flat that first day. Still, uh, that's just a mystery to me. I, I have no I, I could see us being so overly hyped up that we hit. You know, four left, right, everywhere uh, else. Yeah, no, we we didn't have a game, but to come out just flat, just hard. Yeah, it's hard to explain. Okay, dark my, horse. My I dark need horse. It. Love this kid, Min Woo Lee. I had Min Woo Lee in the in the um, the Open Championship, and I finished a dismal. You know, fourteenth like <laughs> behind. You know your, where I your your your, your, your my Brian Harmon your pick. Brian Harmon pick. But Min Woo Lee, um, he he's a hell of a player. And uh, I, I look uh, look to see if he can light the light the, the lamp li- light the lamp early in the year. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Hey, our thanks to Steve Flesh for being our guest on Beyond the Fairways. We drop this usually every Wednesday. Sometimes it'll come late. Sometimes it comes early. Sometimes you might get it on a Thursday. Where and whenever you take it in, wherever you get your podcast, make sure and check us out because this is one of the preeminent golf pro- podcasts in the country, really in the world. Because we have people in Europe that listen. Absolutely, we sure do, and and uh, it's been a lot of fun, Danny, doing this. I can't wait to get get our get our picks all fired up again. Let's go. That's Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. And we're presented by Darty Business Solutions, coming to you from the Car Shield Studios.